Welcome to How to Catholic with Kevin and Lisa Cotter, a podcast dedicated to helping you practically live your Catholic faith with excellence. It's possibly one of the greatest methods for evangelization and spiritual growth that Christianity has ever known. It's so simple that almost anyone can do it, including you. What is this method and how can you do it as well? On today's episode, we'll talk about leading small group studies. We'll discuss Lisa's current small group and give you five steps to leading your own. Let's get started. almost had to abort mission before we even began recording. That <laughs> <sighs> was a close one. The baby. Yeah. Slam door. Baby movement. Yeah. I think we're safe. I think we are safe. It was a child who slammed the door, not us, obviously. Because we're sitting <laughs> in my office getting ready to podcast. And we are in the last week of school, which feels like school's really dragging out this year because the public schools got out two weeks before Forever. we get out. Forever. Yeah, so we've got spring fever over here for yeah. sure. Because school needs to be out for summer. Yeah. For reals. So we can play that song. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that's gonna, not why we're here I was going to sing it, but I thought <laughs> I'd spare everyone my singing talents. No, they probably would have enjoyed it. And your pride. My pride. Not yours, mine. <laughs> well, yeah, more yours, I think. More mine. Good, good to Mine, know mine's already here. diminished. Yours is higher than I. Oh, I'm not sure how to interpret that. It t- Interpret it well. Good. Great. Okay, so we're here tonight to talk about small groups. Yep. Which, I can't believe we've never done an episode on small groups. It's true. How have we not? This was Kevin's bread and butter for nine years in focus. It's true. I've taught a lot of how to lead a small group classes. You know what this is? This Okay, so for those of you who are like, what is going on? So we spent 11 years in focus. This is our first summer not in focus, so we're not going to new staff training, which is focuses six-week-long training for its new missionaries. So this is the first time we're here for the month of June. And it's like I'm so used to teaching this class that we decided to do a podcast somehow. Yeah. Like subconsciously. We didn't like think through that, I think, just subconsciously. It was like, this is the time of year Kevin teaches this class, so yeah, podcast. And and it's not even just a class. It's like classes. Yeah. They spend like four or five days just talking about the ins and outs of all this. So we're going to condense it into one half-hour episode. Aren't you lucky? So simple. Yeah. But at least before I do my thing with small group Bible studies, you've been leading a small group this past semester. I want to hear how that's been going. Yes. So we, having been in focus for so long, very much believe in the small group model. Yep. Very much so. So we do have seasons in life where we've led small groups. There's been seasons where it has not worked. Seasons where we did it on campus through focus. Seasons when we did it on our own. But recently, I'd realized that I had not led a small group. Well, I guess it'd been like a year and a half because we were leading a small group with some young adults from our parish. It was a co-ed one. But that was more Kevin was leading it and I just like showed up. 
Um, but I hadn't you, you like made a snack. I, think, I made a most snack. nights, but but it was really like you were like leaning it, and we just were hosting it at our house. It's true. So this was the first time I really felt called to start leading my own small group again, and it's kind of came up because it was Lent was starting and Lent is a really great time to read dating detox. And in the past we'd been doing it online. We'd been doing like a Facebook group or you could join an Instagram account where we would walk with people digitally through the book. Mm -hmm. And it took a lot of time and it was great. And it was great to interact with people who were doing it. But I was like, you know, I kind of want to do this face to face this year. So I went to my parish and said, can we, can I um, open up my home and do a dating detox small group at my house? And they said, sure, that sounds great. So I had 10 young adult women from the age of 24 to 38 over to our house during Lent, and we went through dating detox together, and it was great. And as it was winding down, the ladies were like, well, what's next? <laughs> like, We're just getting to know each other, and the group has just gelled really well, and everybody has become, you know, um, close through the process of doing dating detox together. So they still come over. And right now we're we're not doing a formal study. We're actually talking about the feminine genius because I'm toying with the idea of writing a book on the feminine genius. Mm. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it'll actually happen, but no. I know that God wanted me to take the next step. And the next step was doing this group. And so every week we get together and talk about one of the different characteristics of the feminine genius and... All that. So we'll see where that goes, but they're still coming over. And there's just something about getting together face to face and Mm -hmm. having that community that I think is probably one of the most powerful things that we can do as Catholics and one of the most powerful ways to bring people closer to Christ is through community. Mm -hmm. And that's why I'm doing it. And it's been going well. It's been fun. They were over last night. We sat outside around the fire table and ate chips and salsa and talked about gift of self and beauty. And I, and obviously it's been really impactful for you. Has there been a moment or a time, obviously you don't have to share like a personal story from your study, and, but where you've been like, I'm so glad I did this small group or like, that's like, you can point to it. You're like, that's why I'm doing small groups, you know? Yeah. I think it's been neat to see so many people in Denver are transplants. Hmm. Like, I think one girl from the study is a native. Well, Everybody else has moved here within the last two or three years. So you move here and you don't really know anybody. And so it's been really neat to see the ladies get together outside of study mm. and start to form friendships and deepen friendships and really helping people feel more a part of the community as they kind of enter in from the outside. So that's been very cool. And then, of course, just seeing their experiences finishing dating detox and hearing their gratitude for the process mm-hmm. is always great. But I, I feel so detached from like the fruit of dating detox just because I don't hmm. feel like I can really take a whole lot of credit for it. Cause I wrote it in adoration and I really do look at that book and feel like I didn't do that. Like, yeah, I really do feel that way. So when people are like, that's a really good book, I'm like, good for the Holy spirit. There is this weird things when you write things that it's hard to understand the impact that it has on other people and how you're attached to it. I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. I think when you write something, but like it's hard, like you write something 
and it's out there and you're not actively doing it, anything, but it's actively making a difference. Yeah. So it's weird when you hear stories and you're like, that's awesome. I, I guess I did that, but I did that a while ago and it's still doing... And that's why it's hard sometimes to take credit for it. It's like, oh, that thing? like, And it feels like so much out of your control. Like, I don't know how you bought that book or like how it got in your hands or like how the Holy Spirit impacted your heart to like change your, you know? Mm-hmm. Like there's so many steps in there mm-hmm. that you feel not in control of. Mm-hmm. And somehow it landed in that person's lap and they decided to go through it and their life changed. It's just an overall weird experience. Mm-hmm. It's great, but it's, yeah, I know what you mean. Yes. Yeah. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. So. Well, that's great. I Yeah, I think one thing that comes to mind and just thinking about why small groups is, it's reminded of this, this phrase, and I think you really touched on it. It's this idea of um, belong, believe, behave. So typically when we think about conversion, we go straight to behave. It's like we look at people and it's like, I want to get them to like dating detox stop sleeping with their boyfriend. I want them to give their whole life to Jesus. I want them to stop getting drunk on the weekends, like whatever it is, right? And so like we as Christians sometimes can immediately go to behave like you need to get your stuff together. But when we have steps like that, people don't typically, especially in our modern world, don't want to hear, hey, you just need to change your life because I said so, right? Mm -hmm. And so when we switch the order, it's because a lot of times it's if you behave then actually that's when you belong. Like when you get your act together, you can be around us in in our group. But instead, when we flip it, when we put belong first, which I think is what small groups do, this is the why here. Okay. As I see you kind of zoning out. I'm not zoning out. But I think you're just trying to put it together. When when you put belong first, right? Like when your girls, who are many of them transplants, like have a place they can belong. They have a place where they can go every week. They can have a place where they can build community and share like their belief then it's more possible. And mm-hmm. then from them believing, they can actually behave in the way that like they should. But when mm-hmm. you get that order, it, the, the order of that's so important. I feel like small groups allow that order to happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because it's not just independently studying something, but it's in the context of love. It's in the context of community. Mm-hmm. And it makes a big difference. Yeah, yeah. So I think that's, yeah. I think we always start with episodes that was kind of our meandering way of talking about the why. Usually we're much more like, and tonight we just kind of, we, we did that through story, but I, I just love that. I think it's so important to know the why mm-hmm. before we get into, you know, we're going to share five ways that, you know, can help you lead a Bible study. But that why is so, so huge that people know that they can belong. And then that small group dynamic of those people where you can share your life, you can talk to people as if it's one-on-one, um, but it's, it it's, yeah, it's not too small where it's just, just a couple people, like there's just a, enough conversations, like a perfect amount of dialogue, you know, and mm-hmm. that, that community aspect changes lives. There's just nothing else like it. And I, I know for myself, if you don't lead studies for a while, you forget that. And then you lead a study and you're like, oh my gosh, this works. Like it, it always works. And I think for you this last semester, not leading a study for a while, then you lead one, you're like, oh yeah, like I forgot it works. You know, mm-hmm. there's just this dynamic that happens. It's almost like magic's not the right word, but like mm-hmm. you just get three to four to eight people in a group. And there's just a dynamic with that small group that is really hard to find anywhere else. And I think this is where Protestants really uh, kind of crush us in terms of mm-hmm. how great they are at this. I remember our neighbors at our old house had 
a small group and at the time we didn't and i was always so jealous of it yeah because i'm like oh i want a small group and we eventually started one yeah i tried to i can't remember how that happened there's been so many seasons and ways that we've gone about having like intentional community within our parish and in our community um but that's part of i think the reason why so many people are attracted to mm-hmm. those kind of cool hip non-denominational parishes or churches not parishes christian churches because they do such a good job with small groups yeah and you get plugged in right away and when we say small groups, so Kevin will keep saying Bible study because that's how he always talked about it with Have focus. I? I've been trying to say small group. No, you've been saying Bible Hilarious. study. Hilarious. Yeah. I've been like, I've been really intentional by saying small group this whole time. Yeah, no. It's just ingrained in your brain because in focus, it, it, it is Bible study yeah. is what they get together for. But you could get together as a small group and go through a book together. You could get together and do an endow study, which mm-hmm. is um, a women's community or a walking with purpose study. I mean, there's so many different ways that you can go about what material you use. It doesn't have to be just studying the Bible, although doing a study on the Bible or a small group that focuses on the Bible is good. Yeah. But there's options is what I'm saying. It's like, we're not doing a Bible study. Yep. <laughs> I always call it Bible study, but we don't study the Bible like that. Yeah. It comes up because how can it not? But that's not, it's not like we're doing Ephesians together or something. Yeah. So anyways, so that I point that out. Fair enough. And I can, cause I'm so like, uh, versed in focusism. I could like fight and be like, this is why it should be the Bible study. Hebrews 4.12 tells us, you know, but I, yeah. I'll save, I'll spare us all. <laughs> Good. Okay. So let's get into these five. Are they steps? I think they're ways because they weren't, they're not like, uh, are they steps? I think they're steps. Oh, I think you're right. Mm-hmm. You're you're always right. Right again. You yeah. know, every day, everybody. This is just a little sample of my world. Yeah, well, I read your outline. Yeah, but so. you were still, you were correct about my own outline. <laughs> yes. Yeah, so we're going to be going through kind of five steps. If you want to start up a small group or a small group Bible study or a small group, not Bible study, but small group gathering five steps to take to get you there. And if you're longing for a deeper community and you feel like, I feel like I could really use more intentional relationships. This is a great way to do it. Yeah. Probably the best way to do it. Absolutely. That we've found. Yeah. So. And the reason why I think steps are important is because there's twofold. One, you need to know the vision and you know the why, like, okay, it's important to do this thing. Like imagine there's something magical about a group something magical about sitting down having these conversations and that whole idea of a small group. But then a lot of people say, like, I just don't know how to do it. Like, I wouldn't know where to begin. And that's why these five steps are really important. So after this episode, you're like, okay, I, I feel empowered that I could actually pull something like this off. And if even if you don't, we'll, find, we'll, we'll show you a way that you can feel empowered. We'll give you another step. Yes. It's not that hard, to be honest. It's yeah. really not that hard. Let's start. Number one, know your goal. That's the first step. Yeah. So I think it connects to the why, but it's also important that when you set out for a small group, you know, huh, why, what's the point of the small group? Like what's, what's the goal here? I like to do that with meetings at work. I like to do that with, you know, anything that we're going after, but just knowing like, all right, if I'm leading this study as I'm going through it and I ask myself, how is study going? Right. Your friend might be like, how's your Bible study going? You know, huh? These are the things I'm going to go back to to help me understand and evaluate how my study's going. And we use this in focus, but I've seen it used in lots of different small group curriculum. And there are really three things. The first one is um, 
really deep transformation or divine intimacy. It's this idea that like my life is being transformed by God. So like if you're in a small group and you're with people, you want to ask yourself is like God transforming these people in my group or else it's a club. Yeah. It's just like there to talk about social stuff. gathering. There's lots of small groups out there. Like you can have a knitting small group. You can have a, uh, a, a small group. You could have a, you name it. There's small groups out there that aren't after <laughs> all you could come up with was alcoholics and knitters. <laughs> I thought it was two diverse examples. Very diverse. You just, I stumbled Grandma's on it. Did, you, did you think I stumbled on a third example? I couldn't come up with a third. In the amount of examples. What if it was an AA group that knits? You know. That'd be therapeutic. I bet it'd be a great idea. You're a good idea giver. So, uh, you know, are people's lives actually, because like we'd have Bible studies when we were missionaries and sometimes you talk to students and you're like, you know, and these are studies that go off the rails and they're like, oh, we did a craft every week. Like, we do crafts. And you're like, whoa, whoa, that's not the goal of a study, like, to do crafts. Like, it should be saying, like, are we encountering Jesus? And through that encounter, are our lives different? Like, mm-hmm. that's a good evaluator. So that, that's the first one. I don't want to get too far into. Second one is authentic friendship, right? So, like, people can go, if they want an encounter with Jesus, they can go to Mass. They can encounter Jesus in the sacraments. They could take a class... Um, at their diocese or at their parish. Like, there's lots of ways to encounter Jesus, but the small group's there because you have authentic friendship with one another. So you want to say, are people growing closer to God? That's great, check. But are they growing closer to one another? And that's, I think, the magic of a small group where you turn to one another and say, oh, you too? Like, you struggle with that as well? Oh, here's how I deal with it. Oh, really interesting. Here's how I deal with it. And all of a sudden, you have this whole understanding about your problem in a way that you never would have without really sitting down with someone and talking. And that's something you can't get in a lecture, you know, per se. That's something you can't get in a book necessarily. Um, But you can get by talking to somebody and really having that real life interaction. So I think that authentic friendship um, is really key. Then the third one, the third one's a bit of a stretch goal. Um, And when you're leading a study, and it's not something I think of at first, but as you go, I think it's really important to think, all right, how can I raise up other leaders? Like, if small groups are really that powerful, if I'm pouring into these people, I'm helping them encounter Jesus, and they're getting to know one another, at a certain point in time, that group turns to each other and says, don't we want other people to experience this as well? And so you just want to be thinking, could I help raise up other leaders? And that could be after a year. It could be after two years. It could be after five years. I don't know what that timeline looks like. It looks totally different in different circumstances. But um, nonetheless, I really do... If small groups are what they are, if the impact is happening, as we're describing, eventually, as Christians, it makes sense not just to say, oh, we have this holy hot tub where we get together and talk all the time, but we're actually building one another up so that flows out into all of our other relationships. And in those relationships, we say, how do we make an impact? I have an idea. We should do this small group except just for other people. Perfect. Yeah. So there you go. Like I think that's great because it really helps you evaluate it wasn't just know your goal like you personally. Kevin just gave you the goal. <laughs> the goal of small groups is the people are growing closer to Jesus. Mm-hmm. They're growing closer to each other. Yep. And eventually the group is growing. Yeah. And you are multiplying and you are, maybe somebody in your group branches off and starts another small group. And there's growth that includes more people. Because I think 
one of the most important points that at least I heard you say is like the idea of the holy hot tub. Like that's a very focusism right there. <laughs> like we just kind of get in this jacuzzi and we get cozy and we're friends, but we don't ever reach out to anybody else. Yep. And it's like, well, we're this little clique and we're happy and we don't need anybody else. And it's like, no, the whole point is your holiness should drive you to want to bring others into it out yeah. of love. Yeah, Jesus didn't say, go therefore and get into small groups and stay that way forever and ever until you reach heaven. You know, like mm-hmm. he didn't. Like he said, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Like it's got to go out. It's got to be mission. Um, and that's hard and it needs to happen in its own time and you need your own fellowship and all those things are true. And that's why the, the timeline can look different. But eventually it's supposed to, it's supposed to spread some way, shape or form. Very good. Okay, so that's your first step is know why you're doing it. Know what your goal is. Second step is if you would like to have a small group, you have to have members. Yeah. So you need to make some invitations. Yeah, I think this is like a lost art in our society. It certainly is on a college campus. I think it's probably even later than a college campus, but I don't think, I think people have a hard time inviting people to things. And I think the key is because of digital communication it's very easy to like, oh, I sent people emails. Like I have an email list. So I can reach to that at work or during with school. And so we just... I sent them an invite yeah. or a Facebook invite. Right, right. Like I'll just Facebook invite 30 people to a small group or like I'll just email a bunch of people and like get the word out. Um, and I think that can sometimes get the job done. But really like Jesus, if we go back to the model like... Jesus was the best example of a small group, right? He 12, takes 12 guys camping for three years. Like, that's that's Jesus, right? He's our, he's our model for a small group. Like, Jesus doesn't um, write up a scroll and put it in town square and be like, who wants to be my disciples? Like, meet by, you know, the Sea of Galilee at noon, and we'll There'll be a this. fish fry. Yeah. <laughs> hey. That's where the Knights of Columbus got it from. Wow. I think. I think. Uh, no, right? He goes to people and says, come and follow me. Like, he gives them a personal invitation. Like, he had technology at the time he could have used to do more mass invitations, but he makes each one of them personal. And so I think when we construct a, a small group, like, that same principle is really true in whatever shape, form that looks like for us, which is typically going to a person, having a conversation, explaining what you're doing, why it's important, and then saying, hey, would you consider coming to the small group and they might not be able to make a decision on the spot, but to even follow up with that person, right? Like, even though it's a little awkward, that's online. It's okay. Cause it's, it's not awkward. I can make an invitation. And I don't hear to hear a response or people can ignore me, but like in person just to talk it out and be like, Hey, here's why my study, like, is that something you want to do? It's on Wednesday nights at seven 30 and we're going to read X. We'd love for you to be there. Great. Just throwing it out there and getting a response. I think it's, atypical, but I think, again, that sense of belonging, like, people don't get a sense of belonging by getting invites on Facebook. People get a sense of belonging by you being in their life and saying, you, this person I know, who I care about, I want you to come to a study. Yeah. That's, I think, so wise, because I remember when we were in college, and my first focus Bible study was just like handed to me. It was a list mm. of like 20 girls who had signed up at the club fair. Yeah. <laughs> and like, I'd never met these girls and I was just randomly calling them. And praise be to God, it worked out really well. And the girls all got along so well that they all actually ate out of the 10 of them room together their sophomore year. Mm. They got all sweet together. Like it just, it just worked magically almost. Um, 
But now the way Focus does it is it's much more like, hey, why don't you go and ask your volleyball team, like mm-hmm. friends on your volleyball team, if they want to do a study together or whatever it is. And it is, I think, so much power, more powerful and you have such greater like sticking power. People are more committed when they're committed to you yep. as opposed to randomly assigned or something. Totally. So invitations, very important. Okay, I, I'm going to float our hack. I think You're it goes better somewhere it. else. Mm-hmm. Uh, wow. Usually we would do the hack now, but I'm going to save it because it goes better with step number four. Oh. So right now, let's talk about step number Ooh, three. That, so Wow, what an audible. Uh, I know, on the fly. Where's the crazy podcast, everybody? <laughs> Pretty wild over here. Woo! Uh, crazy Monday night. Floating the hack. Okay. All right, so you know why you're doing your, your, your small group. You've made your invitations. Now you need to prepare. You need to prepare for the people coming over and get things set up. And so this is where hospitality comes in. And it is a step in this process. You can't just invite people without a plan of how you're going to host. Yeah. So like imagine you want, so let's just go through our steps, right? Like we know our goal. We want people to encounter Jesus. We want them to grow closer together in fellowship, right? And we want to build up leaders. And then we're going to go out and make it, like we're going to take all the time to like go to the people we know, invite them to this study, have those conversations, really try to get them there. And then we're going to invite them over to, you know, where we live, our house, wherever it might be. Like it's time to really go all out here, right? If we want to facilitate deeper encounter with Jesus with one another, like don't skimp on being hospitable, like find a great place to sit, like get food each week. And it's so funny. I love, boy, I love food and drink because like when you have guests over, Typically, the response, and especially for the girls that in your study, it's like, oh, I'm okay. The first couple of weeks, like, I'm okay. I brought water. You know, <laughs> yeah. like, it's always like, I brought water. And you're like, no, like, and it's almost like, like force, but over time, they're like, yes, I'll have the Izzy. You know, like, I love the Izzy's. Like, and they just learn to, like, mm-hmm. actually accept your hospitality. And at first, like, they can't, it's almost like they can't do it or they don't want to be the one who, like, I'm eating all the food. Like, they're self conscious. But, like, that's where people really feel, um, yeah, they feel invited. They feel like this is the place where I can relax. This is a place where I can talk. I um, love going out to the table group, which is Pat Lynchoni's consulting firm. And one of the things that they have at the table group. Well, you have to. Li- Pat is Kevin's one of Kevin's bosses. Yeah. So. So yeah. In case people don't know that. Sorry. Yeah, Pat's one of the Pat Lynchoni, who's a New York Times bestseller. He has a consulting firm. He consults people like Southwest Airlines and Chick Fil A, and is a co-founder of the Amazing Parish. Wrote Five Dysfunctions of a Team. That's probably his most known book. So his office is in California, and he hosts different executive teams at his office. Sometimes he goes there. Sometimes they have an offsite at his office. And the thing I love is they have, like, every snack you could possibly want. Like, there's not a snack that they don't have, like, if you want it. And the reason why is because when you're having hard conversations, this is my philosophy. I haven't, like, asked them. But when you're having hard conversations about business, right, it's stressful. It brings anxiety. And it's nice to have your favorite snack there to like give you comfort. Like that's what it is. It's all comfort food. And so I think the same is true with studies. Like it's not always easy to share your life, especially with some people you don't know very well. It's not easy to like bear your soul and like encounter Jesus through friendships like that. When you have food, it makes it a little easier. It's like, I feel comfortable. Like it's comfort food. Like that's mm-hmm. what it is. And um, I just think whether it's having a great place to sit, having great food, um, learning how to um, just connect people together. Like, oh, you know, 
you went to this college? Like, do you know this person? Or like, hey, this person, you know, they they work in accounting. I heard you worked in accounting too. Like, that's just that's just great. It's like a great party. Like, if you had a party, you would you'd have great food. You'd have great conversations. You'd have great drinks. Like, is a Bible study or a small group, as Lisa would say, more important than a party? It's like, yeah. Like, people are encountering Jesus. Hopefully, they're doing that at your parties too. But like. I'd rather spend more money investing in, in, a, in a small group that's going to change lives than just a party where people hang out, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I feel like that is like the first 15 to 20 minutes of our gathering. It's just like hospitality time. It's just friends being friends and hanging out. There's no agenda. It's just, and it is funny what you were saying because my girls did initially. So one little, this would be a tip is I asked them at the beginning of the study, oh, yeah. let me know your you're, favorite you're drink. You're so clever. Well, I just said, text me your favorite drink, your favorite snack. And then I made sure to have it. So there's, uh, or I've been rotating through some of the different favorites, trying to make sure that I hit up at least everybody's um, favorites at least once or twice every couple of weeks or so. Um, Just so they would feel like welcomed and thought of. And so, yeah, we have all kinds of teas that different people like, or we have different kinds of drinks and stuff. And it is funny because the first few weeks they wouldn't, like go into the kitchen and they'd be like, I'll just take a water. And now like they just go straight to the kitchen and start eating food and grabbing a drink and they're more at home, which is exactly what I want. Yeah. And that is, that is the whole point. So, so the hospitality is so important. If if you want people to come back, they need to feel welcomed. (laughs) If they don't feel welcome, they're not going to be comfortable. They're not going to want to share life. And if you're not doing that, then what's the point? Yep. Why get together just to get together? Like, there needs, yeah. Yeah. If they feel alone, they don't want to share. At least they're like, well, I got to eat something good. You know, like that's. <laughs> at least I got cookies. But over time, it like clicks because sometimes it takes a few weeks to like, I know these people and I can share and mm-hmm. the material hit me in a certain way, you know? And I do have to give a shout out to our daughter, Mary Claire, because she makes homemade baked goods for them that's pretty much every week. They're legit. And she's very thoughtful about it, too. She's like, oh, I have to make something for small group. And then Grace, who's five, will be like, we need Bible food. We need to get out the Bible food. <laughs> so, Are you talking about Ezekiel bread, Grace? <laughs> yeah. We're like, banana bread. <laughs> oh, um, my gosh. You just dropped banana bread? Yeah, Can you dude. really drop banana bread without explaining it? Well, so manna <laughs> in the desert. Jeff Cavins has a whole bit. Jeff Cavins, who does the Bible timeline. Great adventure Bible I've timeline. I heard him do this. A million times, which would be a, an option you could use for material yeah, for Bible study. Great, great Bible he study. He has a whole bit where he talks about different types of food that the Israelites ate while they wandered in the desert. Food such as banana bread or manicotti, <laughs> things like that. So they, I think he talks about how he took the manna and made it into different foods. Yeah. Anyways, so that's Sorry. Bible food. It's all right. Okay. Bible food. You just can't drop banana bread on people like that and not explain it. I Jeff Cavins, not. he's a funny guy. He is. I love. He's great. The Jeff Cavins. Jeff Cavins. Jeff Cavins. See, now you're dropping <laughs> a joke that nobody would get. <laughs> okay, long story short, I used to work with you guys since two. Jeff Cavins was on the board, and one time in the minutes it said Jeff Cavins instead of Jeff Cavins. So, so sue me. So there you go. That's, anyways. Kevin's inside joke. Yes. I, just couldn't, I couldn't help myself. The good old days when I used to take the minutes at the Augustine Institute board meetings. Mm. Um, anyways, okay. So you've got everybody set up, hospitality, next thing. Everybody's there. You're ready. Now you have to actually do a study. So step four is facilitation. What do we need to know about facilitating your study? Yeah, so we always, in Focus, talked about three roles. And this is not even from a folk. Like, we stole it from somebody else. I don't know who we stole it from. 
I think everything in Focus was stolen. Tim from Gray stole else. it from somebody and taught missionaries, and I stole it from him. But the three roles are trail guide, traffic cop, and cheerleader. Like these are the three roles of a Bible study facilitator. I'm gonna go cheerleader first because it's really okay. simple. When you're a cheerleader, is you're just really encouraging. So people at small groups, again, it's hard to bear your soul or share what's going on. And so when people do share, as a leader, like you really need to keep up the energy, not in a fake way or an artificial way, but just be like. In, you you need to be interested and like encourage people and especially th- there's always those people that have a harder time sharing and you might not even know why but when they do share you want to show them like I'm so glad you talked like I've been waiting for you to not that you'd say this but like you give that like <laughs> I I'm, I'm I am so glad you said something for the first time let's point it out and make this really awkward <laughs> but like. People need to be rewarded for behavior at times, like even in subtle ways, you know? And so like as a leader, I think your energy will dictate the mood of the study. Like if you're grumpy and tired and like not motivated, like people will sense that. And I think just having that cheerleader mentality of like, hey, here's where we're going, like great point and who else has something. And like people just, when that's in the air, people are like, cool. Like this is, this, this is study's trending in the right direction. And just knowing like I help control the temperature of the room in a certain sense. So that's cheerleader. Okay. Second one is we'll do trail trail guide. So trail guide is the whole thing. Like we live in Colorado. There's mountains really used to this, but like when you go on a trail, um, it's really helpful if you've been with somebody who's gone on the trail before. Like a lot of times when we go on 14 years, we'll go with my sister and like, she's already gone to the mountain and we don't have to think. We're just like, thank goodness. Somebody knows how to get to the top of the mountain because I don't want to get lost or read the guide or try to figure out the map because the maps seem they're like never helpful. Which PS don't ever do a 14 or without a trail guide. And so the same thing with our study, like sometimes people just show up and they're like, I'm just going to show up and like let the Holy Spirit lead and see what happens. Like, no, that's not a good idea. Like the Holy Spirit can work through your preparation as well. And so just like if you'd go on a 14 year, you'd want to go with somebody who has walked that 14 year before, like go through the material before think about it. Like, Curtis Martin would always tell us like some of the best studies would be reading that scripture passage for the whole week beforehand and praying and meditating as a leader and thinking about what questions you can ask. And you get to your study and you're just like so excited to share what God's revealed to you over the week and hear from them and what God's revealing to them in that moment. And I just, I think that really serves your study well is when you take the time. And I realize different states of life, a lot of you are like, I couldn't do that every, you know, every day. It's like, that's fine could you read over it once? Could you pray over it once? Could you think about the questions and look them over before five minutes before the study? Maybe you're like, no, I can't. Okay, that's fine. But I think it's a good idea to go after is, is preparing beforehand. Yes. And this is where our hack comes in now. Yeah. So our hack for this week is a little app called the Focus Equip app. Yeah. And you Tell might us be more, thinking, Lisa. yeah, I mean, I'm not the one who created it, but the person who is is sitting across from me. But I'll go ahead and explain it. It's more fun this morning. <laughs> the Focus Equip app is an app where if you're thinking to yourself, okay, I'd like to do a study, but I don't know what material to do. So like, okay, yeah, I can be a trail guide. I can be a cheerleader. I can be, we haven't talked about the traffic cop yet, but we will. Yeah. But what am I going to impart? Like, what are we going to do? I don't have time to create my own study every week and I don't have money maybe to do it. What's amazing about the Focus Quit Pack is all of Focus's studies are online for free. They're a missionary organization. They're not trying to make money off of this. And the vast majority of them 
were written by Kevin, which is kind of cool. I think it's cool. It's actually really cool. His name's <laughs> not on it because it's no, focuses it material. It, it is now? Yeah, online. Yeah. Online it is. Okay. But you can get all those studies that he's written for free. And what I love about the way that Focus does studies, the way that Kevin was taught to do studies and the way that he did them, is it's not just a class. It's not like, let's get together and like, it's it like <laughs> deeply learn about this thing, but it's like actually life applicable. And it gives you the opportunity to go deeper with people and to talk about real life and not just, wow, this is neat. We learned these cool things during our Bible study. Um, but there are so many great studies on there that aren't just for college students that can be applicable to any state of life. In fact, I've been rereading through, there is a study, this this is one Kevin did not write, but it's on the feminine genius. Mm-hmm. And I recently reread through that one and it's just a great introduction to the feminine genius. It's on for free. You can download it on the app and use it on your phone or a tablet as you're leading and everything you need is right there to facilitate. It's super dummy proof. And I'm kind of glad I didn't write The Feminine Genius. That probably would have messed up. I may or may not have written one of the female studies for Christ-like Focus. Christ-like leadership for women? Is that I may called? or may not have written that. Yeah. Um, I did. I did write it. At least half You of revamped it. it. I revamped it. Yeah. And I used a feminine voice. But the person <laughs> who wrote the original one was a male, too. So that's fun. <laughs> and I found out that on May 28th, that means just a few days ago, the Focus Quip app hit... 50,000 downloads. That's awesome. The big 5-0. That's incredible. That's what I'm talking mm-hmm. about before when we're talking about like you do something that has an impact and it's hard to even think about. Like I don't mm-hmm. even work for Focus and like people keep downloading the app I made with the stuff that I did. Mm-hmm. It's just fun. It but is I, fun. Anyways. It's a lot of fun. Yeah. So that's our hack. Go get that for free. But not only can you get, so it's Focus Quip Hack, not only can you get uh, studies, but all of the talks from past focus conferences are mm. on there. Several yep. of them are videos, tons of articles from the focus blog are on there. I mean, it's just an unbelievable amount of Catholic resources for free. If you sift through there and you're just hungry to learn so many doors you can open and walk through. But in particular, there's a lot for those of those who want to lead a small group of some sort. Yeah, and if you don't get enough of me on the podcast, I can help you lead Bible studies as well. Yeah, and there's even like video tutorials in some of the studies. So beforehand, you just watch the video tutorial and Kevin will tell you how to lead the study and then you go lead it. That's the most hacky thing, if that's a word, about those studies is the fact that I knew students were really busy on college campuses and probably more busy as adults, but it's like, great, watch this video for six minutes and you have a good sense of exactly how the study is going to work. And of course, I'd love for you to read over the study and pray with it and do all the questions. But if you watch the video, it's like, okay, I got a good sense of where this is going and what I'm going to do this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So two I would highlight would be the crux is an awesome one to start with. That's a foundational study. And then salvation history. Those are two that are, if you're like, I don't even know where to start, do those two back to back and boom. And technically this, the salvation history one is called the story. Of the salvation, the story we're, of salvation. We're really clever. Oh, okay. Okay, talk to us about Traffic Cop. What's yeah, the so last Traffic role? Cop, it's really easy to demonstrate in person what this looks like, but I'll try to do it on a podcast. It's basically using your uh, mannerisms to help control your group. And I say control in a good way. Sometimes in groups, you have people that don't speak, 
and other times where people speak all the time. And so it's really just using your hands and mannerisms, even your body language to show people, hey, like for instance, you might hold out your hand like a traffic cop, which is a stop motion to one side of the group. Maybe there's that one person that's been talking a lot. You don't have to say, hey, Judy, stop talking. You just hold up your hands like we've heard from this side of the group. And then with your other hand, just like a traffic cop, you kind of like motion to them, go ahead, right? Just like a traffic cop would stop one side. side. You're like, hey, let's hear from this side. And all of a sudden that side's like, oh, I guess one of us is supposed to say something. And then that person who hasn't talked like, I guess I'll say something now because it looks like they're prompting me. And so just to do that as a traffic cop. I always look for people to have light bulb. Like you can kind of see their face uh, light up and I will point out, I'll be like, you just made a face. Yeah. Tell me what you're thinking. Or they're like lip curls. Like just enough. It's like, you can tell they're about to say something, mm-hmm. but maybe they're, they're pausing. Like or those are the moments. Yeah. Those moments were like, Hey, why don't you share? You know? And it's like, Oh, actually I was thinking. And it's like, mm-hmm. I'm a magician here. I really hope my girls are listening to this. Cause that's only going to make next week awkward. As, yeah. I think, <laughs> I think as awkward as you can make a small group, the better. <laughs> Just joking. That is step number six. Make it awkward. Just kidding. Um, let's get awkward. Let's get awkward. Nope. That's not, there's not, there's only five. There's only five. five and I think it's time for step number five. Are yeah. we ready? Okay. Let's shut this down. We got Step it. number five, which you might think we left the study. What else is there? Yeah. But the final step, and this is going to vary to the degree of the state of life that you're in and those in your study, but investment is step five. So investment, not just, obviously it's huge. You're already gathering once a week. That's amazing. That's yep. a huge investment. But the question is, can you invest outside of the study so it doesn't just become this weekly club, but actually becomes part of your community Yep. in a broader sense and part of like your, your, the air you breathe? Yeah, I think some of the philosophy behind this really quickly is, you know, the small group is so important, but sometimes people get stuck into like this situation or this role. It's like, oh, you're my Bible study leader, so you care about me during that hour. Or like we do these things or we say these things at Bible study, but they don't transfer to real life. And I think what investment does is allow what's learned in the study to spread throughout somebody's life. And so it's that moment, you know, some ways to invest would be like, hey, you shared this week about this thing. I just want to let you know I've been praying for you, and I hope that's going better this week. Or, hey, um, it's been great to get to know you more at study. I'm running an errand out to the store, and I didn't know if you wanted to just come with me, right? It doesn't have to be super complicated. It doesn't mean that, like, I have to make a four-course meal on the weekend. Like, it can be really simple things to just, whatever you're doing, just invite those people, invest in them further, because I think those are the moments, sometimes in the study is important, but those moments outside where they're like, actually, I've been wanting to have this conversation with you, but I hadn't had the opportunity. And so when you asked me to go running, that's when I could really open up more about what we've been going in study and like how it's influencing me and and all that. I just think those moments really help you take that study farther in a way. And I know we've experienced this over and over in our lives where it's just like, mm-hmm. yeah, so it's just small things where people invite us into their lives and it just has a bigger, bigger impact than even that, that hour in that study. It all started with the study, but we made it uh, more impactful with, with that investment. And I feel like the key here is to really um, like double up. So you need to work out. Great. Invite someone to go running with you. Yeah. Or you need to, um, I don't know, maybe you're going to prepare meals to put in the freezer for when your friend has a baby coming. 
or for when somebody needs a meal that's unexpected and you just want to have that in the freezer ready for them. Invite someone over to help you make those meals and just double up on things you're already doing. Just invite other people into it. And that's something that I have not been able to do very well with this group, which I, I want to be able to do more Mm of, um, I guess I'm saying this because don't let perfect be the enemy of good. Mm, Yep. (laughs) Um, and even last night I was telling the girls, like I did not get to prepare as much for tonight as I wanted to. And I knew that this was going to be a crazy season to continue doing our study, but I thought it's better to get together than to not. Yeah. It's better than like, sorry, girls, I have to cancel. It's been a busy weekend. It's like, Nope. Let's, yeah. It's great to, yeah. I was wondering that last night. I was like, when did you prepare? (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Well, what happened is I was supposed to prepare while my son was at his golf lesson, but golf got canceled because Mm -hmm. of lightning. So my two hours all of a sudden didn't exist. So what do you do? Yep. Um, So told you they were steps. They were. They really were. But you know what our last step is? No. It's really not a step, but it's our how-to challenge. Well, we need a button for that. What would it, what would play when you hit the button? I want to know. We just need someone to do like a voiceover that's like, how-to challenge, and then it echoes. Do you want it to be the same Irish dude at the beginning of the show or a different voice? I don't know. That's going to be have to be for season six. We're going to... Wow. Something. Okay. We've got some big changes coming up on the podcast. I agree. Yeah, next season, we're already starting to map out. I'm very excited about all of it. Lots of excitement. But that's for another time. So our how-to challenge, getting back to our point, is I know you probably can't imagine, it has to do with the small group study. And the challenge is, A, to lead a small group study. I know there's a lot of you out there that are like, you know, I've led a small group study before. I know I should do it. I just always make excuses. And this episode is an opportunity to actually go out and do that. That would be the challenge. There's some of you maybe have never led a study and you're like, I can do that. I'm going to do it. There's others of you out there like, this is a great idea, but who am I to lead a small group? I couldn't do that. This is a huge step. Silly challenge. Here's what you should do. You should join a small group because the best way to learn how to do something typically is to have someone show you how to do it in person. And that's what a being in a small group can do. They might even teach you how not to do a small group, and that's okay too. But just getting in one and being in that context will give you a grip of like, all right, this isn't as scary as I thought. This isn't as hard as I thought. I can lead a small group. And so that's your challenge this week. Lead it or be in one, but they're powerful. Don't forget the power of small groups. They, oh my gosh, they change lives. They'll change your life, whether you're in it or leading it. They'll change the other people's lives in it um, as well. It is... So important. I had somebody come up to me, even this last spring, and I gave a talk on small groups, and they're like, thank you for challenging me. I've been leading one all year long, or this last semester, and it's doing great things. And uh, just a great reminder for me. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that is our show for today. If you want to connect with us, our email is hello at made to magnify.com, or you can find us on well, you can find Kevin on Twitter and you can find me on Instagram. Let's be real. That's where we hang out. Mm-hmm. Kevin's at Kevin R. Cotter. I am at Lisa Ann Cotter. That's Ann with no E. As always, if you enjoy the show, give it a rating on iTunes, add it to your podcast subscriptions, tell a friend. These things help us get the word out about How to Catholic. Until next week, be saints. It's worth it. Bye.